0: The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. live on d20 radio's justin tv channel you're listening to the order 66 podcast brought to you by gamer nation studios d20 radio and mapsofmastery.com I'm not entirely sure what to make of this, but we're back for episode number 18 of the Order 66 podcast. I know what to make of this. What?
1: I could make a plane or a hat or a a boat or a pterodactyl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm GM Dave, and uh, this is Sunday, November, September 22nd. Just trying to accelerate time. And that was GM Chris.
1: What is up, Gamer Nation? For those who may be tuning in for the very first time, this is the Order 66 podcast, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing. And we have a long-awaited show coming to you tonight, one I'm very anxious to talk about. And I don't know, it's like we're finally getting back onto the real track of episodes, because things have been nuts the past few weeks.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, I felt almost inebriated, drunken.
0: (laughs) Oh, is (laughs) is, is that it?
1: Well, with all the new stuff that's come out, and you know, guests and Gen Con, it's just uh-huh. it's been it's been wild and wacky. I'm kind of anxious to get back to it, a, a, a good old show. I feel like Pepperidge Farm. I'm gonna pull up my suspenders, and you know, do you remember the old days of Order Sixty Six where Dave and Chris talked about Star Wars? Pepperidge Farm remembers.
0: Ah, uh, yes, we do remember. We remember everything.
1: <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, I'm just oh, I'm, I'm stretching. I'm, I'm you know moving my shoulders. I'm stretching my neck. I'm getting ready for classic Order sixty six time. It's it's going to be fun. That's I'm excited. You should be excited. Are you excited?
0: I am somewhat excited. I'm just worried about the all the technical difficulties we had today. So making sure that we have a decent sounding show.
1: This this would be good. This would be very good. Yeah. But I I think I think we'll manage.
0: Yeah, I bet we will too, and so we'll uh we'll kick it off with this that we haven't actually done yet, even though we probably should have like a month ago. That's when but, we got it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we got it a month <laughs> yeah, and then we never uh, we never actually
1: referenced the it. aforementioned inebriated comments.
0: Yes, of course. And so this would be uh our regular uh poetry edition of uh something, but we'll let you see which one it is.
2: And now Stormtrooper Haiku Night. Stormtrooper haiku.
0: (laughs) I I absolutely love that one. A sunbeam touches the boom. Alderon explodes. Hello there.
3: What have we here?
0: Good news. Good news. Announcements. Yes. Announcements. Featured podcast this week. As if many of you are not already listening and enjoying. The Costumed Goodness of Punching for Justice, which is uh, devoted to 3rd Edition Mutants and Masterminds. Dan and Kyle are up to uh, episode number 17. They're moving right along. And it's called We Have the Technology.
1: We can make him bigger, better, stronger, faster.
0: Faster. They discuss cybertech, nanotech gadget guides. Some great skill challenge examples in the danger room, and learn why Dan hates fifth-dimensional imps. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or, or one in particular, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, check that one out and more great podcasts at www.d20radio.com. Yes. Oh,
1: yes. Juicy bits of web goodness time uh, from the keyboard of Sterling Hershey. Uh, this week, uh, erstwhile scribe of ineffable awesome Sterling Hershey gives us Star Wars GMs out there an awesome nugget of goodness in his weekly Star Wars Wednesdays blog. And this week's article exposes a an awesome resource created by a big fan, an open source code, a browser-based code for a Star Wars crawl.
0: Wow. Wow. So,
1: you know, people have been making Star Wars quarrels for a while for different things and putting them on YouTube. The problem with that is you have all this copyright infringement because it uses, uses music and stuff like that, right? Right. Um, so YouTube tends to take them down. Um, if you want something legit, you can actually go to StarWars.com where they actually have a crawl generator for you, but the problem is that it requires Flash. So if you're like me and you like to use a tablet at the table, it really puts you out of luck. This is not a problem anymore. Um, this guy has developed this. It's like, I mean... This this basic open source web code that you can generate your own crawl with, um, and Sterling's got links to it all. He also talks about uh, some advice on the best way to formulate and manage a crawl, um, you know, not making it too long or short, getting it just right, uh, with links to other excellent resources. And you can check all this out and so much more right now at www.sterlinghershey.com. Great resource for GMs. Uh, really pep up the fun in your game, so so go check it out. And if you got a coding bone in your body, you should be all over this.
0: Yes that too oh yes ffg news this week it's been a uh, very busy couple of weeks actually with uh, the guys Hell over yeah. at ffg uh new announcements uh, out the wazoo we've got new announcements coming out of the wazoo indeed beyond the rim so yeah speaking of sterling hershey ffg finally announced that his full-length hardcore hardcover adventure beyond the rim which got a, an advanced release at Gen Con, is now fully available in retail stores, and I actually did see one sitting at role-to-play in Capel. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. So I can verify that that is indeed true. Uh, on the Under the Black Sun, this is the free RPG Day module that Kat Ostrander was on the show to talk about and is uh, now on the PDF download directly from the FFG website.
1: Finally. Yeah. yeah.
0: How about that? So it it took a little bit, but it's there, just like they said it would be there. All you guys that were panicking. Oh my god, I'm not going to get my free RPG day bundle. I was
1: panicking just
0: a tad. Okay. <laughs> Never was. Sons of Fortune. This is oh, a dude. yes, recently announced a supplement for Edge of the Empire. Sons of Fortune, which is the source book all about the Corellian sector. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, big props here to our friend and half of the super duo that is Fandom Comics, uh, Keith Kappel, who was a contributing writer for the book.
1: Yeah, dude. He was able to announce at Gen Con that like he was freelancing for FFG, and then he's like, this is it. This is what I've been working on. We're like, oh, dude. I yeah. got to game with him last night on Skype. It was pretty
0: powerful. Oh, that's cool, dude.
1: Yeah, him and Ryan both, actually.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so anyway, the book is all about Corellia, as you would expect, right? But it's going to have new material for special weapons, Corellian uh, ships, three new species, the Drawl, the Salonians, and the Corellian-born humans.
1: This is interesting. So it's like it's humans, but it's Corellian-born human. So it's a different species, and it has different abilities. Um, mm. And you know how they like? We talked about this last episode too. They were talking about how you know uh, when we had when we had fish on, and we're talking about the generic weapons that are in the Age of Rebellion beta, and how the core books are keeping all this generic weaponry. In this announcement article, they talk about how they talk about like, they, they name drop specific unique weapons that they're going to have in this book. And it, it lends credence to the whole thing of, you know, yeah, yeah. General. And then the supplements are going to be specific, specific, specific. Yeah. So, uh, oh, it looks great. Yeah.
0: It's awesome. So you guys, oh. uh, you guys, weep, we just can't wait.
1: I'm very excited. And serious, serious grats to Keith. K dog. Congratulations. K dog. Uh, now it would not be right to finish our announcements without looking to the gaming security agency, the T visor helmet to D 20 radios, Mandalorian armor which continues to be the best and most prolific go-to place to get articles, NPCs, and fan-generated content for Edge of the Empire. Recent highlights, uh, Donovan Morningfire, a.k.a. Agent 94, is added again with a new hero on demand, Niuk Tinray, jovial fighter pilot. Uh Sullaston is quick with a joke and a snub fighter and uses the new ace career from the Age of Rebellion beta book. Uh he's ready right now as a PC or NPC in your game.
0: But does no. he have a bucket of fried chicken in in his in his cockpit?
1: He's not no, not not quite. That no. would be Jack Porkins. I know. Is, uh, watching a Celestin eat fried chicken would be pretty funny for me, though, with the lip flaps and all that, you know,
0: the... <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: all the grease and stuff would get caught in yeah the jowls. yeah, Oh, no, yeah. Well, you
0: could set him on fire after.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Dono also hits us up with a new entry in the Equipment Labs uh, to go right along with New York. Uh, the R-22 Spearhead, uh, Starfighter, uh, sometimes called the pre-A-Wing, uh, very fast, very maneuverable, great new ship available for your campaigns. Uh, interesting little ship. It was kind of like retconned into the EU to explain the appearance of A-Wings prior to the, uh, uh, the Battle of Yavin. Um, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not A-Wings, but they look just like A-Wings. So it's, uh, interesting.
0: It's a prototype. Yeah
1: well yeah full production but uh it, it's cool it's like it's not as powerful as a z95 headhunter but it's a lot faster it's a lot more nimble so it's a it's an interesting ship uh but you can check it out and oh so much more right now at gsa.thegamernation.org head there get the best star wars content on the web just saying
0: and if you guys want to be a writer for the gsa they are taking applications and really the application consists of Hey, Fiddleback, I would like to write for the GSA. <laughs> and yes, so you guys go over to gsa.thegamerination.org, get a hold of Fiddleback, and say, hey, dude, I would like to post some articles, and they'll get you hooked up. The pay is considerable. You dude, get it's, it's you,
1: like a thousand times zero dollars.
0: You get free kudos and all the poetry you can stand from Fiddleback.
1: That's awesome. I actually, um, I think the, the holiday bonus this year is going to be two way to goes and an attaboy.
0: Two way to goes and an attaboy. That's right.
1: It's impressive. Very impressive.
0: That's right. Which is a little bit less than last year's, which was two, two, two attaboys and a way to go.
1: You know, they're I- inflation. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta keep it up. Yeah.
0: I know, but that's all right. You guys stay in touch, uh, with us. Stay in the know by following D20 radio on the Facebook and the Twitter and all that other stuff. I'm at GM Dave, he's at GM Chris. Yup. And you guys keep track of us and obviously d20radio.com at the forums and you know, there's no shortage of places to find us all over
1: Darren. the world. There are many listeners watching this YouTube cast live right now as we are simulcasting. And, uh, right. we of course will tweet and Facebook post, a new show and next episode announcements regularly.
0: Indeed, we do. And we're going to stop down now for one of the most beloved segments in this show, Skill Monkey.
4: Eee. Skill Monkey. Skill checks are one of the most narratively creative elements in FFG's Star Wars system. They represent opportunities for players and GMs to work together to create the kind of stories and adventures that become epic and cinematic. At least, they can be epic and cinematic if you think creatively about the dice results. Let me show you what I mean. It's a great day here aboard our ship, the Pure Canard. Our GM has us in orbit over the planet Giju. We're supposed to meet with and entertain representatives from certain factions within the Herglick population that might be interested in doing business with us. Seems they've had some Imperial problems and are looking to explore alternatives. Before we get that far, though... We have to show them we're worthy of their attention and business, and that means putting on a little party for them, and that means we have to show them we understand what they're all about, and that means we need to make use of Xenology in order to not offend them. Great. Xenology is tied to your intellect, just like all the other knowledge skills are. The skill monkey is nothing if not an intellectual, so really, this advice is for the rest of my crew a finer batch of Neanderthals you've never met. A simple success in this situation will immediately tell you a few basic facts about the Herglick species. Average GMs will probably tell you something along the lines of you recall a few facts about them and things go smoothly. Well, thank you, Mr. GM. Here I put points in a knowledge skill and you've certainly made it seem worthwhile. Thank you for your benevolence and contribution to this story. Wow. Wow. Fortunately, you are not an average GM. Clearly, you are a GM who wants his players to feel involved in the story and truly a part of making things interesting and fun. You'd much rather say, you search your memory for information about the Hurglicks and the best means of making a good impression. After a moment or two, you recall that most Herglic you've seen in the galaxy are very sensitive about their size in relation to other species, and therefore, it would be a good idea not to point out how much room they're taking up, or the fact that you can't see around them, and any remarks beginning with, you're a big fellow, aren't you, are not going to be welcome. See, already you're making things better and enhancing the possibilities for success in these tricky negotiations. Additional successes can help you recall other basic, relevant facts like the Herglic's tendency to overindulge at the gambling tables or their generally easy-going nature if treated well, all of which can make interacting with them much easier in the right circumstances. Failure means that you recall nothing and your crew goes unwarned about what not to say. Negotiations are going to be much harder for you in general, and that can result in setback dice in later interactions. Advantage gets you down into the nitty-gritty of Herglic interactions. Maybe you recall that herglick, at the best of times, are awkward around other, smaller species. Normal-sized doorways are difficult for them to navigate, and human-scale hallways are a recipe for disaster, as a herglick of any substantial size will occupy all of it and have a difficult time getting through. Perhaps this suggests to you that for a shipboard meeting, it might be a better idea to have the actual meeting and subsequent dinner in the cargo hold where there's more room to maneuver and get in and out, and cargo doors are significantly larger. Make sure you decorate accordingly, though, and you'd best get out the big benches. probably ought to tidy up as well. No herglick wants to stare at the 17 cases of Deveronian entertainment flimsies you've been storing since your last stop. Why, in no time at all, you'll be a sultan of social setup. Threat, on the other hand, can mean you've missed something vitally important. Maybe you forgot to warn the crew to avoid saying things like, I bet you can't guess what I heard. To which the only known herglic reply is, Oh yeah? How much? And then it is just a long, slow spiral into debt, recriminations, broken families, and millions of impoverished herglics lining the streets of Giju, hoping for handouts to overcome their crippling gambling debts. Seriously, how can you live with yourself after that, you fiend? Triumph gets you the full info packet. Now, not only have you made all the right accommodations for your guests and put them at ease, you've remembered that they chafe under imperial rule, that there are several different varieties of herglick, and that each of them may require some subtle adjustments on your part, and most importantly, they control some serious manufacturing. Best of all, you know that when a herglick goes (coughs) it is time to pay serious attention to what they are about to say. It might mean the difference between successful negotiations and a sudden cooling of relations. Despair indicates you got something seriously wrong. Perhaps you think that because Herglick are a formerly water-dwelling species, that they like damp, cool environments, and now the entire diplomatic group is suffering from the high humidity and developing bronchitis. Maybe you thought it would be a really good idea to hold the meeting in the crew quarters, and now no one can sit down or even get in the room. Worse... Maybe you've got the whole kit and caboodle wrong, and the crew keeps trying to put them at ease with, Your mama's so fat that when she went to Yavin, the rebels tried to blow her up! Honestly, how can you be so cruel? Thank goodness I've been around the galaxy a few times, and we won't have to worry about that. No, sir, I'm confident that my collection of free Willie videos will be just the thing to ensure a happy and prosperous relationship. See you next time.
1: That was epic. Yeah. Um. That was completely epic.
0: Totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So yeah.
1: <clears throat> Star Wars, your mama jokes—they never get old. Yeah. Well done. Well done, Fiddy. Well done.
0: <laughs> way to go. That's an attaboy and a way to go all at the same time.
1: <laughs> oh, excellent. What do you say we get to some questions, sir? Ah,
0: uh, okay. What do you what What do you say? He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy.
2: I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message.
4: Messages from the edge.
1: Boy, am I glad to hear your voice! I think it would be wise if you took advantage
0: of my knowledge in this instance. So you guys on Google hangouts and on the YouTube channel. You're just going to have to deal with the distorted stuff when I'm when I'm playing music because if I turn on if I turn the switch to studio for whatever reason it feels like it has the right to hijack my entire audio setup and and actually lowers the volume for everything including my my, my mixer. Yeah. So, Google suck it.
1: Yeah, Google Plus. Not over promising and under delivering since
0: 1999. Yet again. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, one of these days we'll find a, a reliable podcasting solution that will let us do what we want to do because, you know, I think we just do too much stuff for your average, you know, whatever.
1: We're, we're just, we're just, we're, we're too advanced. That's, that's, we you, are. You I know, mean, th- it's, it's what it is.
0: It is what it is. Music, although under copyright. Yes. We do indeed. All you, all you YouTube police people, yes, we have a license, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what
1: we do not need any type of licensing for are listener questions. Yes.
0: Messages from the edge, guys. This is our regular show segment where we take the time to answer your questions and, well, rules and game questions, I might add. About the system. And how can you get us these questions? Well, the easiest thing to do is go to d20radio.com slash forums and register. Go to the Order 66 boards and you will find a Messages from the Edge thread, which we should probably just find for every question that is possible in the system. That, it has grown absolutely. that big.
1: Yes, uh, yes, and, and bigger every day.
0: Bigger every day, exactly. You can also email us if you want to. Questions directly to GM Dave at d20radio.com, GM Chris at d20radio.com, and if you're brave enough, you can call two six two d20radio or two six two three two zero seven two three four. We actually have a couple of people that called, and I did not pull them off because I just remembered that they were there.
1: Douche. We'll get them. Douche. Y'all should email GM Dave at d20radio.com and call him.
0: Douche.
1: Douche. Douche. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what have we got tonight, man?
0: Alright, so first up, Away Put Your Weapon has two questions leading into tonight's show topic. The first one is, are droids allowed to take the Force-sensitive exile specialization and Force talents? The rules don't seem to forbid it, and actually seem to be rather explicit about use versus acquire. For example, page 47, droids cannot acquire a Force rating. And cannot use force powers. Force talents, which do not have a force rating prerequisite, do call out that the individual must have a force rating of 1 or higher to use them. Use them, which is on page 278. So, what are your thoughts? Could a a droid PC have a bunch of force-related knowledge but inability to actually do anything with the force? I'm picturing an old Jedi Archives droid, decades past his last scheduled memory wipes, telling his new organic ally, stretch out with your feelings and your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: Away. Away. I love you, buddy, but this is a case of extreme literality for no real benefit. Uh, just, why? What? Why? Could a droid PC have a bunch of Force-related knowledge but an inability to actually do anything with a Force? Of course. Why does that have to translate into him taking Force talents? I, I, I... Why would you want a droid to take this this uh, specialization without the ability to use most of it? Because uh, he can't, that's clear. I mean, yeah, yeah, there, there are droids in the Star Wars universe, like uh, Hu Yang, who have knowledge of the Force for teaching purposes. That's awesome. There is no reason such entities need to have any training in Force specializations. It's... It's it's narrative, man. It's just narrative, <laughs> and and if if we're talking, I mean, if, if if he needs to know that knowledge, he knows it. Great, he's studied. Yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't mean he has to have the talents. Um, and if we're talking NPCs, there, there's 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 zero need to provide any mechanical explanation to how the character knows this stuff. He just does because it makes sense for the story. But look, even if you dig into the rules away, okay, let's let's start this simply, as you put it. On page 47 of Edge of the Empire, the droid species, and I quote, Droids cannot become Force-sensitive nor acquire a Force rating by any means. Right. It's pretty blatant. Now let's talk about the Force-sensitive exile. Start on page 275. And I quote, The primary way one becomes Force-sensitive is by choosing the Force-sensitive exile specialization. Also, page 277, the Force-sensitive exile talent tree. Small text, right under the talent tree title. Gain Force Rating 1. In other words, you take this specialization, you gain Force Rating 1. Droids cannot gain a Force Rating by any means. Ergo, droids cannot take Force-sensitive exile.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Post-hawk, ergo, propter-hawk.
1: I mean, if you want to argue with it, that's fine, but what would be the point and why? If you just try to give the droid the talent so he has knowledge of it for training purposes? Yes. Why? Why? he has knowledge of it for training purposes you don't need to have talents to represent that
0: that's right it's like uh, the um, uh it's like the uh, brawler that lost his arms and cannot use shockboxing gloves so if you buy them he can't use them although he has the knowledge
1: yeah but but in this case it's like it's like saying you want to build a you want to build a pc who has who or an npc who has the knowledge of how to shockbox but he has no arms he doesn't have to like from a from a narrative perspective the guy shouldn't have to take yeah. Specializations in shock boxing to have that knowledge. He he just does because it's not going to have any real impact in the game world from a mechanical perspective. Right. He doesn't have to have those talents. He right. doesn't have to have that, that that specialization. He he knows it because he needs to know it. It just right. it just makes sense. It is his if you have a PC that wants to do that with his droid.
0: It's his purpose.
1: It's his, yes. It's his programming. A Jedi could have programmed him, and that, and that's how he knows it. He does it. Yeah. I mean that that's that's, that's right. what it comes down to. That's right. I, I don't know. I, I think we're just being way too literal and. You don't you don't need to have the talents to justify the narrative not when there's no mechanical impact
0: yeah the but train man just... smuggled him out no problem yeah all right old friend of the show fat wreck tour
1: damn haven't heard from him in, him in a while ah, good to hear
0: yes him. fat wrecker ribs all right fat wreck tour returns with an edge of the Empire question about weapon qualities what about weapon qualities that don't have an activate cost for example? disorient described as an active ability gives the target a setback dice for the number of rounds noted in the disorient quality when triggered pretty neat but it doesn't say in the book how much advantage is necessary to trigger if any at all same goes for blast concussive and uh, a few others it's there
1: Uh um it's there. Uh, it's a bit buried, t- uh, TFR, but but most every quality has a cost. If cost isn't called out or apparent, it costs a flat two advantage, two advantage to activate it if it doesn't have a listed cost. Um, this is actually in the Edge of the Empire Core Rulebook, we'll page one fifty four, last paragraph in the item qualities section. There and I-, I admit it can be a bit confusing because some qualities uh, like have w- like. The rating and then a number, and the number is what it costs to activate it. Others have, like, the quality and then a number, and the number is, like, the number of rounds it lasts. Right. And you have to dig into the text of each one to find out what the number means. It, it, you know, yeah. I it, think it, we
0: should come up with something better for that.
1: Totally. You should pitch it to FFG. Absolutely. And then say, FFG, you need to re-
0: reprint all books. those books. Recall them all. Recall them. You need braces around one, brackets around another, Parentheses around a third, in case you need it. I mean, totally, seriously. And
1: and, and 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 you know what? Let's let's just rip apart the system. Let's make it you know completely balanced while we're at it. I mean, fourth edition style. Let's let's just let's let's go for broke here.
0: Fourth edition style. All right, great. <laughs> We've just broken the game, you guys. We're done. No more podcasting when everybody quits.
1: Podcast done. Bye. Bye.
0: All right. In a related question, Darth Pseudonym has this to ask. This is Darth Pseudonym, not the pseudonym. Just to clarify. Yes. Are you required to hit with a weapon in order to spend advantage on active special weapon qualities? Wow, this is related. I can't find a rule reference that actually says that, and while it makes sense most times in some situations, I can see it. Autofire, b- auto-fire easy for me to say, burn, blast, linked, it's specifically mentioned that they can only be activated on a successful attack. Blast and Guided specifically say they can be used on a miss. The others, Concussive, Disorient, Ensnare, Knockdown, Stun, and Sunder, just say what happens when it activates. I can see where it'd be really hard to ensnare a target without hitting them with the net that you threw, but on the other hand, I can see someone getting ensnared without actually taking damage from the net that went over them. Sunder is really obvious. It's not that hard at all to imagine a lightsaber missing the guy by cutting his gun in half. I could see concussive, disorient, knockdown, even stun working when the attack didn't actually hit under cer- certain circumstances. Like if they're attacked if they're attached to a blast weapon that misses the target, but somehow, you know, off the fringing effect still affects them. Or a bola? What is that? A bolt. It's a... That's gotta be a bolt. Okay, Oh, no, a... it's a bola. Ebola. Ebola. A, a oh, Ebola. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking you know,
1: three three weighted balls on a string. Yeah. you throw it at a guy. I'm thinking
0: blaster rifle for some reason. Saying a blaster bolt. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, Ebola. yeah. I put yeah. I,
1: I like, like the uh, the um <clears throat> one of the pre for the enemy of my enemy. Uh, the technician he uses a He's a gand. He's got a It's oh, badass. Nice. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. So it misses, but trips up the enemy. Stun glove brawler just grazes his target, but it's enough contact for the shock to work. What do you guys think about that?
1: This is a very interesting question. Um, and he's right. There, there is no ruling in the book as to whether you need to hit or not to activate the special qualities of a weapon. I mean, unless otherwise stated. I mean, some qualities, like he says, like auto fire linked, specifically call that, that they only work when you hit. And others, like guided, can only be used when you miss. But that's, that's called out. So what about the qualities that most of the others that don't specify? Can you use them on a miss if you generate enough advantage? Strangely... The majority of GMs I've played with have run it as no. You can't.
0: Uh huh. Why and not? Like...
1: Mm-hmm. Why not? Well, that's the thing. I, because they're shackled by prior systems.
0: Well, he brought up a really good point.
1: And, well, th- that's the thing. It's, it's sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. And that's what GMs are lacking. So the notion that you have to hit in order to activate these qualities, just take that notion, wad it up into a ball, and throw it in the trash can. Yay! The whole point of the narrative dice system is that you can gain cool things even if you don't succeed. That's what advantage represents. And, when we, and we can't say this enough. Do not look at the limited list of suggestions that are there for advantage and ponder over it. That list is supposed to be guidance for you and your GM for when you're out of other ideas. Ideas like your weapon qualities. Can you activate a weapon quality when you don't hit? Which ones? yeah well, which ones make sense i mean can you can you knock down a foe even if you don't hit probably, but it will honestly depend on the circumstances. Does it make sense narratively yeah sure, then do it why not um yeah you, you know so some, sometimes sometimes it doesn't if 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 i if I toss a grenade okay and uh I roll it to spare, okay I miss and I roll it to spare, but I roll like five advantage okay and and my g m says okay. Um, well, with the despair, I'm going to say that the grenade was a complete dud, All right, It just, it just, it fizzled out. At that point, I would probably have a really hard time justifying to my GM, considering what he ruled for that despair, that I was able to activate the blast quality because the grenade fizzled, okay? So there's an example where it probably wouldn't work, but if it was just a flat out miss and maybe it ricocheted off a rock when it hit the ground and missed them, but I didn't roll a despair or anything and I still had five advantage and you wanted to activate blast, sure, why not? Absolutely. It's a grenade. Um, I mean, most of his examples really make sense to me, and it's going to come down to the situation, but this is incumbent on the GM, and it's a part of it. But do not dismiss that out of hand as they miss. If they have enough advantage and they want to activate the quality, if it makes sense, let them. Why not? That's the point of advantage.
0: And you players, listen to what we're saying right now, and next time this happens and your GM says no, say, go listen to the Order 66 podcast right now, Turn it on to minute number thirty three, and they're gonna tell you that you're full of crap. Yep. Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, it ultimately I, is up to the GM, yeah.
1: but I'm just trying to say to you GMs out there, think before you say no.
0: Think. Think. That's right. We're gonna, we're gonna go against the just say no adage, okay? Just you know, just saying. Just saying. Don't worry. <laughs> we're here. We're here for you. <laughs> I have this video thing now and I'm getting used to it. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh speaking of weird, let's uh take a take a walk over here.
3: Let me take that back. Huh? finding what you need. <laughs> oh. oh.
4: Some tags, Only got twenty dollars in my pocket. I, I'm, I'm looking for a comer. This is the black market.
1: <laughs> what do you know?
5: <laughs>
1: oh, welcome to Watto's black market, gamer nation, where the skeezy scoundrels of the outer rim territories can procure the weapons and gear to make a living on the edge of the empire. Just a little more tolerable. Tonight's visit to Waddo is brought to us by Hudson. And Hubar, who both seek some interesting devices from Wado. Hubar Droid restraining bolts.
0: Hubar. Oh, no, it's Hodor. Sorry.
1: No, not H- Hubar. <laughs> Hodor. Hodor, put your clothes on. Hodor. <laughs> if, I ever meet th- if I ever meet this dude, the first thing I'm going to say to him is, Hubar, put Hubar.
0: your clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> Hubar, put your clothes on.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Droid restraining bolts. These are some uh, interesting devices. Ah, yes. Tell tell me about them.
0: You know what you can do? You can open up your Edge of the Empire core rulebook to page 178. We'll wait for just a second while you get there. Okay, that's long enough. Restraining bolts are iconic little devices. You've seen them before in the Star Wars universe. One more reason why it sucks to be a droid. <laughs> Indeed. So they are attached to a droid's chassis. If you remember, you know, Luke wrestling to try and get one off. Mm -hmm. They're attached to the droid's chassis. The devices, which are manufactured by the billions by numerous companies, are attached right on, you know, on the outside, basically, of the droid and could be remotely activated to completely overwrite a droid's programming. Specifically, the Bolt can force a droid to perform any actions commanded by the person holding the controller. They're basically slave collars, I mean, pure and simple the the,
1: mind control slave colors
0: yes yeah you know and so i mean the simplest setting is just shutting the droid down i mean but of course they can be used to do other actions as well now um for pc droids however who of course are made of serious moxie they get the chance to avoid the effects of a restraining bolt command by making the daunting which is four purple dice discipline check so this is simple right
1: sort of. I mean, and that's really the the point of, I guess, Hudson and Hubar's question is because what we've told you is kind of all the book says, and it doesn't, you know, what are the limitations here?
0: Right, right. So, I mean, I could see you could get crazy with a droid and a restraining bolt, right? Maybe. Well, that's
1: the the question. I mean, could a would-be psycho use a box of restraining bolts, and if he does an astromech and protocol droids, to go on a killing spree?
0: Ah, (laughs) maybe. How how about a clever smuggler that um, uh, secret you know secretly bolts onto uh, an impending squad of battle droids and, and has them take control or take out their masters you know or each other even
1: bah! So the question is can you use restraining bolts to do that kind of crazy stuff um i think the answer is simple and it comes down to well, how good's their check <laughs> <laughs> and 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 how lenient is their gm uh uh-huh. um I mean, look, If we, like, you've, seen, you've watched the films. I mean, in the EU, we see restraining bolts pretty much only used to issue very simple commands. Right. Um, and we've never, in any of the EU that I've ever read or watched, um, seen restraining bolts allow a droid to overcome its, its uh, behavioral inhibitors, if, if it has any. Right. So it's not so much like puppet control, more like just a quick and simple command. You know what I mean? Um, in, I, I quit D&D terms. There's this low-level cleric spell called command, which is like a one-word, like stop or drop or, you know, roll, <laughs> you know, halt. Right. You know, you, you simple things you can issue. Right. So, I mean, if, if I take that into account, what, man? It's like on the simple end, I think a bolt might be able to get that battle droid to drop a weapon or shut down. But a, a really good check... Might let a restraining bolt controller do more, a little more. M- maybe. Um, I-, I think I think like a good mechanics or computers check made when the bolt is installed might allow the control uh, the the t- might allow the installer to connect it directly to more vital systems or or more deeply into the droid's programming. Huh. Um, like.
0: What I mean, about which, what w- would would you really though allow somebody to take control of a droid without seeing at least a triumph?
1: No. No. Okay. As a GM, I would not. But that's the perfect use for a triumph right there. Um, I mean, that that would be puppet-like control. I would totally allow that for a triumph.
0: Right. Okay. But, um, but, you know, advantage helps you send something in addition to whatever you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, I could see, yeah. like, maybe lots of advantage or extreme success, <clears throat> like maybe more complex commands. Um, aside from simple things, uh, or or another option is doing it at a much longer range. Uh, one of the things the book doesn't lay out is the range of the the controller's remote and and the bolt. I mean, frankly, I would treat that probably about medium range at most, maybe long range. Uh, maybe with really good success or advantage, you could go to extreme range or farther with it, uh, which you know could have a lot of impacts. So, right? Yeah, I I don't know. There's there's room for crazy here, but I think. I don't know. I, th- I think the GM has to be a little wary and and always just point to that. It's like, okay, you want to do something crazy? Make the check, and because that's the thing, I would never call for a check just to put a restraining bolt on a droid unless you wanted to do something crazy with it. And then make the check because at that point, there's always the chance you could really screw up.
0: <laughs> right.
1: You know, yo, you rolled a despair. Yeah, you installed it. Looks like it's functioning just fine. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you know, I don't know. Ed. Uh, I mean, thoughts. I mean, how would you run it? I mean, like if you're running me and you you know me, I would tell like, yeah, uh, I want to tell him to shoot the guy next to him in the face. I mean, <laughs> would you would you allow that? What what are your interpretations?
0: Uh, of it? I I'm fine, dude. Uh, what we talked about before in terms of if you're gonna override a freaking. Behavioral inhibitor, then it's going to need a triumph to do that. Um, something yeah. absolutely crazy like that, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I would, yeah, I would tend to err. I, I would tend to go on the side of having more fun for the group.
1: But I mean, these things are manufactured by the billions. They're not. Yeah. They're not slicer gear. Okay. So they're not going to be able to completely. Take control or overwrite uh, a droid's programming. It's yeah. just it's just those temporary, short commands that overwrite. You know, just for a second or two. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I would go. But good suggestions, guys. Uh, we got a few more things on the docket for Wado's Black Market, uh, and we want to hear more of what you want us to talk about. Uh, items out of uh, the Edge of the Empire Core rulebook or the other books that are come out or the beta books, if you want us to talk about them, uh, let us know. Uh, one of the next things we have on the docket that I'm kind of excited to talk about because it's a little bit of a simple thing that uh, doesn't get enough love is the Humble Fusion Lantern. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of anxious to talk to that. But get yes. to the boards at d20radio.com slash forums. Head to the Order 66 uh, 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 forums itself. Um, the board's there, and you will find a thread dedicated to Watto's Black Market.
0: Yep. All right. So next up are twin segments, Fragments from the Rim and Transmissions from the Rim. So you guys sit tight. It's about 10 minutes of Goodness coming at you right now.
3: The farther you get from the core worlds, the more mysteries there are in the galaxy. Secrets that can mean the difference between success or failure, triumph or despair, life or death. Take a seat. My friend here will reveal one of these secrets, one of these fragments from the Rim.
2: Ever since I bought Station Delta Two I've been looking at my options for security personnel. You would think that the outer room would be filled with hired guns looking for steady work as station security, and you would be right. Sadly, my interview process has thinned out the available candidates by 90%. There was just something undesirable about most of the folks I spoke with. I was down here last week in between interviews and meetings, and saw several humanoids wearing similar olive drab garb and matching emblems. Overhearing some of their conversation, I approached them when I discovered that they were members of Cherie's Riflemen. I'd heard of this mercenary unit, in spite of their practice of maintaining a low profile. The Riflemen have mostly been operating in the outlying systems of the Empire. Not exclusively in the Outer Rim, mind you, but their activities rarely include trips to the Core Worlds. This particular squad of soldiers were actually part of a larger platoon currently operating in the Parmel sector. They stopped by the station simply for a brief respite. I introduced myself as the station owner, bought them drinks, and we had a nice little chat about their company. Shuri's Riflemen are a mobile scout company, organized quite similarly to the Imperial Scout Companies. The chief exception is that the front-line squads in the Imperials' table of organization are replaced with sharpshooter squads in the riflemen's. Shuri's riflemen boast an impressive number of highly accurate shooters, and it's very difficult to pass their entrance requirements. Only about 5% of trainees are accepted into the mercenary group and given the rank of frontiersman. As a mobile scout company, they primarily focus on rear-guard harassment of enemy forces. Since their primary employer has been the Empire, it usually pits them against dissident factions like the Rebel Alliance. However, they are true mercenaries, sometimes switching sides if the opposition offered to pay more for their services. This created some animosity with the Empire, and they apparently deemed the Riflemen as expendable. This attitude almost led to the Riflemen's downfall recently. During operations in the Yatrella system, the Riflemen were nearly wiped out when the Empire failed to provide them with necessary backup, or maybe they refused to. Because of this inaction, the Riflemen's namesake, Valdim Cheri, was killed in action. Apparently, the Riflemen received some minor amount of revenge as they were trying to deliver information to the local Imperial commander that could have prevented the Imperials from incurring heavy losses a few days later. After spending some time rebuilding their forces, the unit is now only accepting contracts that are anti-Imperial in nature, preferably missions that would seriously hamper the new Order. Given the level of proficiency in their numbers, I almost feel bad for anyone in an Imperial uniform that finds themselves on the same planet as the Riflemen. We ended our conversation soon after, and I realized their specialty wouldn't really work well on board the station as security. They did give me a few contacts for other merc groups who might be interested in a short-term security contract. I told them that I'd send any sharpshooters I knew their way, as they're still trying to recover from their losses in the Yatrella system. If you, or anyone you know, is looking for work, can accept the structure of a paramilitary organization, and is a crack shot with a blaster rifle, look up the Churiz rifleman. It might be the best way to take shots at the Empire and get paid well for doing it.
3: Thanks for stopping by. Pay your tab at the door, and may the imps always be one step behind you. The galaxy is full of disreputable scum, reluctant allies, villains, and sappy do-gooders. Knowing who to trust and who to betray is your best chance of staying alive in the Outer Rim. Mr. Steele can give you information on anyone you need to know more about. Why don't you head to his booth, but be sure to buy him a drink for his time. If you're lucky, he'll let you listen to his latest, Transmission from the Rim.
5: Well, I don't know what size a Gamorrean baby needs. Don't we have a Gamorrean Batikon station or something? No? Why the hell not? Do they not have a registry I can use? Uh, they're not making it easy on me. Well, I've got to find something. Well, I've got to go. I've got a customer. Why, hello there. Sorry about that. A friend of mine, Thog, and his wife are expecting their first child. I'm supposed to give them a gift or something for a baby shower. Uh, But I have no idea what Grimorian children need. Did you know Grimorians call their young feeders until they're, like, weaned? What a strange society. Anyway, you're not here to hear about my woes. I bet you're here for my latest transmission, aren't you? Well, you're in luck. Here's my droid now.
3: This transmission is Type 2 classified. Anybody listening without a Type 2 clearance will be court-martialed. Begin transmission. Agent, we'd like you to go to the wheel and keep an eye on Terra Longborn. Terra is a fourth-generation Sector Ranger, now known as the Imperial Sector Ranger. In fact, the Longborn family claimed that... In their ancestry, was one of the original Sector Rangers in the time of the old republic. Of course, however, such claims could not be validated. Tara was a by-the-book Ranger with a great reputation and a strong work ethic. She closed more cases in her Sector than any of her peers year after year. That all changed, however, when her fiancé, a local leader with Senate aspirations, was gunned down a year ago on the Besh Gordon system. Since then, Tara has set up shop on the wheel, and is doing whatever she can to get answers. However, our reports say that Tara's investigation has only yielded either dead ends or dead bodies. And the reports also tell us that she is no closer to finding her fiance's killer than when she started. We believe there is no link to Tara won't go for answers. And now she is getting desperate. This makes Tara a great risk for us and one that must be monitored closely. Tara is capable and smart. She is good at talking to people and getting information out of them with whatever tactic she deems will yield be the best result, whether it be diplomacy, simple flattery, or threat and violence. She has also studied in all areas of the galaxy and knows more than most about the criminal underworld and how to survive on the street. She is one resilient gal, but her best asset, what she is most known for, is her perception. She knows what everyone in the room is all about, moments after she walks in the door. Some suspect that she is using some force ability to help her gain this intuition. But she has been cleared by the Inquisition so this is not the case. It will be hard for you to approach Terra without her knowing you are coming. Terra is decent with her heavy blaster pistol that she wields, a definite improvement from the government-issued light blasters that Rangers to carry. Terra also has acquired armored clothing recently, after her recent investigations have led to more than one firefight. Marker Terra Lawborn. If Terra poses a threat to the Empire, Neutralizer. For the glory of the Empire, end transmission.
5: It's always interesting hearing about the establishment keeping an eye on their own. Makes me think things are running highly efficiently. (laughs) Anyway, I better get going. Shower's only in a few hours, and I'm still at square one. Thanks again for the drink.
0: All right. Awesome stuff as usual. GM Phil, Crimson, and as usual, you can find on the GSA right now... Terra Lawborn. Terra Lawborn. Yes. There's something inherently hot about the name Terra. And I don't know what that is. It's kind of a rednecky kind of thing to me.
1: I, I don't know. There's something hot about, hot about a female Sector Ranger, but I like a woman in uniform. Uh, that's all
0: I'm saying. You're not saying, you're just saying.
1: not saying i'm just saying yes you guys can head to gsa.thegamernation.org right now uh to find uh the stats for uh ms lawborn and uh they're awesome (laughs) they're rather cool Uh, but seriously thank you again uh, uh, uh mr phil and mr crimson for your marvelous contributions
0: marvelous Ah, yes. That can mean one thing and one thing only, that being that it's time for the meat of the show. Oh. Yes.
1: So what are we tentatively calling the meat of tonight's show?
0: We're calling it, If You Only Knew the Power of the Dark Side. (laughs) So, as we've said,
1: things have been kind of crazy in Order 66 land lately. Uh, Hot on the heels of the full release of the Edge of the Empire core rulebook. Uh, Gen Con came, and then the Age of Rebellion Beta got us, as we said, happily drunk for a few weeks. Yes. But we're back on the wagon tonight, and we are plowing down the trail with listener requests and Edge of the Empire discussion. And tonight's show topic has been waiting for a while. And was requested by a couple listeners, but perhaps most succinctly put forth in an email from one Abel Castro uh, a few weeks, almost a few months ago. Uh, so, Dave, h- hit us up with with Abel's email.
0: All right, Abel says this. He says, "Order sixty-six. That's us." I never listened to you, and I really don't want to listen to you talk about the force. I never listened to you when I played Saga Edition and GM'd a party of four sensitive for three years of sessions when you gave me amazing advice on how to run the force properly and keep it balanced now that my group is moving to edge of the empire it's imperative that i not listen to you now not listen to you talk about how to run the force in this new system especially in regards to the dark side in Saga edition dark side points kept my players honest but in this new system I'm not quite sure what to do. So much is up to the GM that I'm not quite sure how best to do things, as my force-sensitive players are, as usual, flirting with the dark side. (laughs) Of course. Strain and destiny points don't seem to be a very effective deterrent in this case, so please don't talk about it. Don't give me any advice, and don't clarify things in any way. I will never listen to them. Your, no- your loyal non-listener, Abel. Sex in advance. <laughs> Naturally.
1: Well, Abel, you are not the first to request this, so it is time to get to it. <sighs> Grab your Sith holocrons, Gamer Nation. Cross your legs in angry meditation. Prepare to feel the...
3: Unlimited power
1: of the force tonight on your Order 66 podcast. So, all right, man, we got to head off this discussion by talking about the real problem.
0: Whoa, boy, that came out loud.
1: Came out loud last time. Why don't you do something about that? Huh?
0: Huh? Huh? Mr. Producer? I really don't know why that came out so loud. It was at 1% of volume. 3, it was actually a 3, but still. Yeah. I don't know, need it's really weird. For, need to re-rip that file. I guess so.
1: <laughs> Alright, S- the real the, the real problem here, dude. Um, as we've said, we've gotten this request rather early from more than one listener. And after playing and GMing the system for a year now, I find that many GMs are given the Force a backseat. Um, I mean, and, and truthfully, it really is not a strong feature of Edge of the Empire, or it's ingrained setting and era. Um, so a lot of them are left to wonder what the problem is.
0: So ah, I think yes. we need to
1: encapsulate the problem. Um, Could it
0: be The Hangover?
1: <sighs> Maybe. The the Imperial Remnants?
0: <laughs> yes, the Imperial Remnants. Exactly, exactly. We all have saga on the brain.
1: Uh, we, we do. Um, yes. I mean, many Star Wars RPGs. we played it. We loved it, yeah? Yes. Um,
0: Remember, I had a Wookiee that was addicted to the dark side.
1: Exactly. And and that became an issue in the system, because that, in that system, the force was extremely powerful. So you had dark side points, which yes. was this mechanic that tallied an, an evil score for your player uh, for using the force in naughty ways. Um, and it helped balance the power out. If your evil score got high enough, it was effective character death. Your PC evil. became an NPC. Evil. So this has unwittingly, I'm afraid, left an impression in many hardcore Star Wars RPGers who lived and breathed saga and are now moving on to FFG system, which is, is not just another species, it is another classification altogether. Right. They they they're so used to having to guard against abuse of the force that they want to know how to do it with FFG system. But this leads us to an ultimate conclusion. Does it? Yes.
0: What conclusion would that be?
1: Well, as we're going to talk about, the Force is nowhere near as dangerously overpowering, if left unchecked, in this system as it was in Saga. That right there needs to be clear. And everyone is listening just needs to cool your conduits. All right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you are alliteration happy today.
1: Thank you. But as more material is released, it, it's becoming more of a threat to game balance, potentially, especially if you look at some of the cool stuff that's out there in AOR, if run incorrectly. And there are all kinds of ways a force-sensitive player can trounce on other PCs in terms of ability and power, but without the overt usage of the dark side. So we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about how to manage it as a GM, as well about as ways to deal with the dark side in your game, uh, as much is called out in the rules to be entirely incumbent on the GM. And you know, Dave, all of our advice tonight might change or become irrelevant when Force and Destiny comes out in a couple of years. Yeah, it might. But the fact is, that's a couple of years.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what? I wouldn't be so sure.
1: Well, they've already said it's not it's they've, they set the year of release. I wouldn't I would I with the precedent they've said I would be shocked if we didn't see the beta a year from now. That's what I'm
0: saying. But, that's what I'm saying. We're going to see the beta next year.
1: All the same, still, that, that's a long time, and until then, we've got a full set of core rules for Edge of the Empire, and a newly minted Age of Rebellion beta that gives our players the ability to get dark with their forest use, and we, as GMs, we, we need a guide. We do. And hopefully, that guide will have its first page written for you tonight. Yes. But Dave, before we can talk about how to really manage the dark side, we need to remind ourselves and review the basics. Oh,
0: boy. That would be using the Force, wouldn't it?
1: Tell me about it, dude.
0: Okay. So, all right, let's take a minute, a quick minute or two, to go back and do a little bit of a primer on the Force mechanics in Edge of the Empire and the Age of Rebellion beta, just to see how the Force works. So how do you become Force-sensitive, I guess is the first good question. hmm And it's not hard. All you have to do is really buy into a second specialization. Currently, it's Force-sensitive exile if you're edge, or it's the Force-sensitive emergent if you're in age. See, see, I did that there. Uh Uh-huh. Both of these are universal specializations, meaning that they belong to all careers and to none. In simple terms, you can't take it as your free first specialization, but when you do take it... It costs what an additional career spec would, which is ten times the total number of specializations you have in XP.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Easy, easy, Yeah, it's easy. Buying into one of them means that you're now Force-sensitive, and you immediately get a Force rating of one unless you're a droid. <laughs> and you can't take it anyway. So congratulations! woohoo! But, hold on, you can't buy into both and get that benefit twice. At least Currently, to advance your force rating, you have to get the force rating talent, which is a bottom tier 25 XP talent that's available in both trees down at the very bottom. So yeah. what's what's the upshot of this? Okay, from a balance perspective, right? The begin it's it's basically beginner characters and even moderately experienced characters are not going to be very pow- powerful with direct force use. It takes a minimum a minimum of 95 XP to get the force rating talent and that's the fastest way. That's buying into Emergent and taking a straight line straight down to it. Mm-hmm. All right, going Exile would be 115 XP by the time you get to it because you have to do a little Jimmy, him, him, and Haw here, you know? Yeah. And that's just to get a force rating of two. Getting it to three by buying into both trees, that's going to be a 220-point XP journey. Good luck with that. It's going to be a while.
1: And if you just decide to do that, it's a straight-line path, meaning that, wow, you've got three Force dice and no Force powers to use them on because you haven't spent any XP on Force powers.
0: Woohoo! (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, you're talking realistically at least 250, 275 XP before you have anything to do with it.
1: So that is a huge balance consideration in this game, and that makes it, you know, compared to prior systems where you have a a literal beginning character that could trounce uh, somebody of a much higher power level with a good enough role. Um, okay. You, you talked, you talked about force rating, dude. Um, does a force rating mean? And, and how does that play into your character?
0: Uh, okay. So every rank of force ratings that you have gives your character a force die. You know, those little force dice that are, oh, I don't have my dice bag right here. I could show it on the TV screen. Um, the little the white, white, the white die with the, with the black dots and the white clear kind of dots, either one or two. Dark and light pips. Got yeah, it. exactly. That's a, it's a D12. Um. So how, how do you use these things? So, you, okay. So you're... Yeah, exactly. So you've got a couple of different things, right? You've got a direct rolling, um, where one, once you've bought into the force power, using those force powers requires rolling all your force dice and generating enough light side points to do whatever you want. So if you expand into your force powers more pips can be spent to do cooler things, right?
1: Yeah, your control upgrade, your your yeah. you know, your strength upgrade or all that, right? Right,
0: right, right, exactly. So all right, so that's that and then there's ongoing effects. So you've got uh, players that have certain upgrades in their in their powers can commit force dice to do certain things. So uh, right now this happens for control upgrades of the sense power. Mm. Right? So You sacrifice the use of one or more of your dice out of the pool to gain a benefit that's ongoing. You're using part of your connection to the force continuously to gain that benefit on a continuous basis. Those committed dice that you have set aside, they cannot be used for any force checks while they're committed to this ongoing effect.
1: Got it. it. So if I'm a beginner character, I've got a force rating of 1, and I'm plowing through that... uh, 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 the the sense power, and I've got the control upgrade. If I've got a die committed to it, I can't toss out a move or uh, you know uh, uh, right. an influence or anything else like that.
0: Right. So think of it. I mean, you're still a rookie with the force, so you you really you know from a story perspective, you can't maintain this thing over here and then go do and then go move something over here. Kind okay. of right.
1: So uh, another thing too, a, a common question I do want to address, dude. What does it take to do a commit? Like if, if I'm in the middle of combat, can I just turn it on and turn it off? I mean, does it take? Yeah. I mean, does it is, is, is it a maneuver? Is it an incidental? Oh, oh? Oh,
0: you're you're talking about uh, uh like they, that where it takes an action to actually commit dice to. Okay, yeah, and I, to, I just yeah. want to clear that up for listeners. Yeah, because yeah, because
1: it's important. It's important to note it takes an action right to to commit dice if you decide to do it in like the middle of combat. Right,
0: right. So it'll 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 actually yeah it'll 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 take up that ac- action. To commit the die, like you said, to the ongoing effect. And then um, if you have the ability, then you can end it as an incidental, but it takes an action to commit it.
1: Got it. Okay. So what you've just told me, that in and of itself, that is a huge balance to the force right there. If, I mean, because, I mean, if you look at least in, in Edge of the Empire, with, with move aside, because if you're generating enough light side pips, you can do a lot with move. But it's not as honestly, it's not even as horrifically damaging until you start moving some really big stuff. Um, but I mean, most characters are going to have a force rating of one for a really long time. It sounds like so. If if you know, like I remember, I remember my wife's character. Remember my wife's character when we were doing our beta campaign, and she was force sensitive and she went sense all the way and she plowed through and she got the control upgrades but when she had that die committed I mean that was all she could do right. she was, it was really cool she was you know upgrading the check she was making she was upgrading the difficulty of incoming attacks right. but that was it so that, that that seems pretty that seems like an excellent balancing factor to me right off the bat
0: yeah so how do you call upon the dark side by the way
1: so this is kind of leading into the whole point of all this right now that we understand this, it is worth noting, first off, guys, that both Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion Beta call out that dark side usage is dangerous and is not generally within the theme of heroes of these eras. But <laughs> the dark side is a tempting mistress, and the game tempts you. The dark side, to, to quote our favorite, you know, I'd paraphrase our favorite green, uh, green skinned friend, uh, it's, it's easier, it's more seductive. But it's not necessarily stronger. And we we talked about this before, right? Um the the force die is beautifully designed. So as we said, you, you need to generate light side pips on your force die to activate powers, but the majority of the faces on that force die actually have dark side pips on them. Right. But the light side faces typically have more pips. <laughs> right. So you're gonna be faced with the dark side more frequently. It's not as powerful, but it's more alluring. Yes. In other words, you can choose to go home with the trashy girl, or you can take your time and find the good girl. One will be really great for a few minutes. The other is great for the rest of your life. (laughs) Ostensibly. Um, So, that allure, that, that, that seductiveness of the dark side, equates to immediate power. And the thing is, a PC can choose choose to treat any dark side pips they roll as light side pips in terms of activating their force powers. The dark side is always there to grant you power. Power. But there is a price to this. Continuing my earlier and rather horrible analogy, think of the dark side, Dave, like a really bad one-night stand. (laughs) Choosing to treat the dark side pips as light side pips, first of all, immediately costs you the use of a light side destiny point. The dark side, she's a fickle bitch.
0: Oh, yes.
1: And, and you are screwing over your party when you call upon her. You have basically left your buddies high and dry at the bar while the dark girl takes you back to her place, and you didn't pay your share of the tab before you left. Oh. Your buddies, Your buddies may not be happy with you for this. Yeah. And, two, you, the force user, will suffer a number of strain equal to the dark side pips that you use in this fashion immediately. The bad girl, she takes her toll on you. You wake up the next morning in a strange place, cash missing from your wallet. Silly you. So, in other words, even the most virtuous of PCs can call upon the dark side in a moment of need. She's always right there, crooking a finger at you at the bar and smiling. And you know she's bad news, but, you know, at the moment, she's the only girl in the place giving you attention. That's kind of how I like to think about it. (laughs) Nice. So any player can call upon the dark side like that. Even if you're virtuous, you always have the capability to do so. But there's another option too, and the books do mention this, Dave, and that would be, I mean, living the dark side.
0: We call it here in the Mexican world, we call that live in la vida loca. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, okay, so we, we would absolutely be remiss if we didn't call out the fact that the rules in this book that talk about fully embracing the dark side of the Force, okay, they do. True, balls-out, darksiders work inversely to normal characters. They only use dark side pips to activate their stuff and can use light side pips, but at the same cost of destiny points and strain. It's up to the GM you know, pretty much as to whether or not to even allow this type of character, however. But both books will call out a rather nebulous consequence for both full-on Darksiders and those normal folks who just go back home with the bad girl a little too often (laughs) that we talked about before. So uh, what are these consequences, you ask? Well those are left entirely up to the gm and are noted as possibly long term and yes bad <laughs> yeah so you know just keep in mind guys that the the dark side is born out of fear hatred and anger and it's just not that good for your psyche <laughs> yes so how do you okay, balance so it dude
1: that's it, I, I've got a player that's either calling upon the dark side frequency or is a balls out dark sider and I've allowed it. Balancing the dark side. Yes. Alright, now now we come to the true heart of our discussion and, and really Abel's question. You talk about these nebulous consequences. What are they? <laughs> what can they be? How and when should the GM use them? And does he need to at all?
0: Hmm. Can we say again? This is not saga edition. That's true. All right. I mean there aren't any powers that a beginner can just whip out and spank a threat much more experienced and dangerous than with them. You remember force lightning? Yeah. It's it's just not going to happen here, okay? So you really shouldn't think of dark side consequences as necessarily trapping to keep balance. Hmm. What's what's there in the system? already is more than enough balance you know you're losing your light side destiny points and you're suffering strain and it's it's enough for short-term balance it really is so you know put that in your pipe smoke it and be happy
1: yeah yeah the other thing for me is asking these questions about should a gm issue the consequence and when for me and it should be for most of you running the system it should be all about the story This shouldn't be a surprise. At this point, it's all about the narrative. Consequences for dark side usage should rear their cackling heads when it is most important to the story. In other words, when it's time for a character to grow, to change, or to shift. When that time has come, Dave, let's talk about some ways to enact this, uh, both mechanically and with new ideas, and perhaps some reuse of some existing mechanics. When does a GM know? That the time has come. When, when can they? When can they look at their PC and say, "Okay, I need to think about these long-term consequences."
0: Okay, when?
1: Well, uh, <laughs> when enough. When enough is enough. Uh, okay. I mean, honestly, th- this is the hardest thing for the GM to determine when those consequences are called for beyond the blatant ones already laid out, and, and really, it, it, it's it's all on you.
0: It's all on okay. as a GM. It's all on me. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. And and you need to really take stock of your session and your players. So you need to be an active guider of the narrative.
0: Okay, so let's say. So let's say that a force sensitive player calls on the dark side every single session for several sessions in a row.
1: You should probably think about a long term consequence for that. Yeah.
0: You might be a dark sider. <laughs>
1: you know at that point he's starting to slip he's enjoying his time with that bad girl just a, a little too much
0: all right okay um what about uh what about a, a single really nefarious act that sure. you know sure it, will that do it Well,
1: potentially. I mean, that single nefarious act, it could be it could be the uh, one push into a full on long term consequence or or the final straw that takes you over the edge if you've been teetering. I mean, I think back to the films, I think, you know, Anakin, he relied on his anger a lot. He definitely called upon the dark side more than once, but it was that huge act. It was it was pretty much cutting off Mace Windu's hands (laughs) that really put him over the tipping point. Then, you know, slaughtering an entire temple of children that kind of that, that kind of did it. Um, yeah, yeah
0: to,
1: to that end even a totally virtuous force user who never calls upon the dark side but finally does so and his actions cause the death of an entire planet yeah they're probably going straight to the black that's just <laughs> i mean from from a narrative perspective that's that's my thing um but again it, it's 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 nebulous and you have to be, again, an active participant in the narrative of your game. Because ultimately, Dave, it's all about the intent. I think this is a yeah. really hard part for a GM, and it's, it, it's very important. There, there are a lot of Force talents and even Force powers with committed dice use that don't require you to roll Force die at all. So in other words, they're never going to require any dark side turn light side pips Right, uh, for, to to give you that barometer of whether or not they called upon the dark side. There's no mechanical trigger to point to and say, "Hey, hey, you! You're calling on the dark side." So, the GM needs to be wary of the state of mind and the intent of the PC when they use the Force uh, in any
0: manner. so. If you use Touch of Fate to gain two boost on a simple check, but that check kills an unarmed prisoner begging for his life, you might be a darksider.
1: This is correct. Okay. If, if you have a Force die committed to the last control upgrade of sense, and you use that benefit to kill an unarmed civilian that was just mouthing off at you, you might be a darksider. <laughs>
5: That's oh
0: the thing.
1: Boy. You're not you're not directly rolling force die, but you're still using the force through a talent or whatever, and you're using it in a very bad way.
0: What okay, if? Now, okay. Now
1: I've got a serious question for you. Okay. Okay. This is the deep one, and the answer here is not clear cut. I got a force sensitive PC. He doesn't use a force talent. but he's force sensitive. He All doesn't right. use a force power. He just rolls a vanilla check to act out of anger fear or hate is that dark side territory oh even though it didn't directly involve the force
0: he's force sensitive and he's let's say pulls out a
1: blaster and executes
0: a kid yeah or yeah i mean anything i mean it can be it can be anything he you know coup de gras is a guy that he just beat in combat sure is it Okay, okay, so that's saga to me. That that's that's the remnants of saga that's polluting our thinking to say that is absolutely dark side every single time. I would God, you know that's that's really, really deep because just because you're force sensitive doesn't mean that you are walking the path of the Jedi to me. No, However,
1: but, but- but there is still in Star Wars a line for all paths, mostly between light and dark.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's what I was getting to. However, there is still a psychological consequence to acting in a manner just like just like anything else. And I, you know. You know what I would do? And and this is crazy. But I. I don't know, I, I, I would I would have to. You know what? I'm going to have to ponder on this a little bit. There could be some kind of a consequence, or I could see basically placing an obligation on the guy.
1: Okay. Well, you're, see, now, now that you're, you're jumping ahead there to a good place. And that's, you know, talking about how we're going to enforce those long term consequences. Right. Oh, (laughs) yes. But the deeper question is is that act even worthy of a consequence? Well,. Should, should there be a dark side consequence when I've done something evil, but I've not used the force directly or indirectly to accomplish it? But I happen to be force sensitive.
0: I don't know. I think it I think it depends on how often that character is doing that sort of thing. And I, I, basically you can use the questions up above, right? So if it's a, if it's a single, Check that he uses to kill somebody who's defenseless, then I think, yes, you, you're going to impose some kind of consequence on them. I think if it's, you know, a single force a check of some sort, a single check of some sort that, yeah, it may have some nefarious use to it, but it's not in and of itself egregious, then maybe not. But no, I can see it. I, I can see you putting some kind of a, some kind of something in place for him. Yeah.
1: And and that's the thing. It's it's this big maybe, right? I mean, if as a GM, if I have a Force-using player that is using the Force in an evil manner, directly or indirectly, yeah. They're they're walking the path of the dark side. But even if they're not using the Force and they're still Force-sensitive, evil puts you towards the path of the dark side usually, those evil actions. And you can feel that psychological consequence more deeply because you're attuned to the Force. Right. So, uh, you know, it's just GMs don't need to dismiss that out of hand, and th- that's the whole point of this. That's what we're trying to say, guys. Is that in prior editions of the system, it was evil acts that involved the force. Okay, um, the, you just you had this hard line you could point to and go, Ah, did you do this or this or this? Okay, easy, boom. You know, for you know, seventy-five percent of the time, we can tell that you have transgressed and have gone to the dark side, and you know, or are walking that path. You need to be a little more open with your judgments here in both ways. Um, and, and you really need to be aware of the narrative of that particular player and what his mindset is. So, okay. This begs the question, Dave, and you, you led us to it perfectly. Once a GM has determined that a PC is walking the dark path and wants to impose those long-term consequences, the 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 social disease that you've garnered after your numerous amorous encounters with the bad girl... Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Um, what are those consequences? The book leaves it completely open. They say it's up to the player and the GM to work together to come up with something. Yes. So, so what what do you do? What are some? What are a couple easy things that we can suggest as long-term consequences that could be fairly balanced in this system? And Dave, I'll let you take the first one because you already went into it and you're dead on as one of the easiest things you
0: can do. Oh, yeah. So create a whole new obligation type of dark side maybe yeah i mean uh, you know i start give them a value of five or ten and every single infraction they do simply adds more to the magnitude of the obligation i mean it just makes sense to me and
1: well that, that's it's beautiful because like what's the whether the designers intended it or not the existing obligation mechanics that are there in edge of the empire right now are just this beautiful way to represent that dark side consequence um, and I love it because not only does the consequence impact you, but it inti- it would impact your entire party potentially because it's obligation, right? And I, I think I think that's I think that's brilliant. Now you mentioned using a whole maybe creating a whole new obligation type, like obligation type dark side, okay? But I, I think back to your last character in our last saga game, our long running Solura, that dude had an obligation and it wasn't dark side in truth it was addiction
0: right yeah and that's how i think of it now given given a, uh, the obligation system that's in place now i would have absolutely treated that as an as an addiction however this you can actually spin as a dark side obligation that you have to work you have to work to get back to free yourself of those tendencies to use the dark side you know i mean this is it's elegant in a word
1: I- extremely. Um, and if you treat this as an obligation, and guys, this is our number one recommendation because this is the easiest thing for you guys to do for a long term consequence. If the PC ignores it, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. And the more they do, the more they're the more they're going to take on, and it's going to keep getting bigger, and it's going to keep triggering with all the juicy side effects and penalties that that would have on you and your group for the whole session, or major story impacts. And eventually, if it grows big enough, the party as a whole will not be able to spend XP because they'll most likely be at a hundred or more on their party, you know, magnitude, which might very quickly mean your departure from the party, depending on how your party feels about it. Um okay Dave you you said earlier you know you hinted at it so how would you get rid of an obligation like this how do you how do you reduce the obligation value i mean you're not paying off a debt you're you know you're not uh you know cleaning up a criminal past right H- how how do you how do it's, you get rid of it
0: well you find it all over you find it all over the movies man i mean how how do you get rid of it all right Look at Vader. How did he get rid of it? One massive action that totally cleared off his slate. Of course it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be that uh what am I looking for? It doesn't have to be that grandiose, you know. He can be a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Maybe you can save somebody from a from certain doom or you can do go out of your way to do something that is considerably light-sided, you know. Uh I, I leave that up to the GM. I I, I don't have some, anything just ready off the top of my head to say, but um you know, even, even maybe just refraining from using the dark side, showing that you're not going to give in to it, is enough to reduce your obligation by five after two sessions.
1: Mm. I mean, like being a being a, a sweet angel and then doing acts of goodness and light sidedness for a couple sessions. I could totally buy that. But I mean, I love your example of Vader, dude. I mean, that that's the classic example, and that was like, I mean. His obligation, I think about it, was ostensibly to the font of dark-sidedness known as Palpatine. And what does he do? He kills the dude. He saves his son and the galaxy and sacrifices his own life to do so. And then, poof, he gets to be all glowy when he dies and shit. It's really awesome. Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, but that's how you could reduce it. Acts of goodness, acts of kindness, and a refraining from using the dark side but if you keep using it you keep pumping that obligation value it just it just makes perfect sense as to how to manage a long term consequence now aside from that if you're not a fan of the obligation option able um there are a few other things you could do for consequences dave from a from a narrative perspective
0: uh, okay um are you saying kotorish
1: very, very. We've all played KOTOR. We've all seen what happens to Darksiders who take it that way, both physically and socially. Um, I love the idea of physical changes. Uh, this could be merely cosmetic. I mean, like those crazy yellow eyes and the gray crackling skin that are always present and always with you. It always cracked me up playing KOTOR when you're going like super dark and you're really evil. And like, you're looking at your little character portrait and you're like, your skin is gray. It's covered in veins of black and your eyes are glowing yellow. And like, you're talking to some light cheery NPC and they're like, Oh, thank you so much for your help. Will you help us please? I really like you. (laughs) Um, uh but you know it could be cosmic it, it could be more severe what are your thoughts and and this is just a thought because uh this is pretty hardcore could the gm perhaps permanently reduce one or more characteristics of the pc oh. as the as the dark side takes its toll on
0: you that is so unbelievably huge in this system because it's hard to increase characteristics you've got to go all the way down to the bottom of the talent tree yeah that is yeah. that is ridiculous
1: I could see it as a super long term consequence. Um, you know, withering of your physical capabilities or, or your mental ones, depending yeah. on your shtick. Um, I quit like like Palpatine, I see him as a guy who his the, the dark side had polluted him so much that he was he was withering away. His his physical characteristics, his you know, his brawn, his agility, they were they were probably hurting
0: right. um,
1: pretty bad. On the converse, if you look at somebody like Darth Scion, you know, from Kotor Uh, His physical characteristics weren't hurting a lot, but I quite imagine a couple of his mental ones were. Yeah. Um, You know, I don't know. If that's too extreme, dude, I mean, what would you say to something like, uh, as a long-term consequence, maybe a permanent setback die for physical checks?
0: Ah, now you're talking. Now you're talking. Uh, Even, I mean, and I could see it even going further than that, is, you know, when you're Uh, when you instead of you know dropping that down a characteristic down yeah give them a setback die and if they continue and continue and continue then then you know even upgrade their checks you know and and go up a level up a level up a level Yeah, yeah 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 that's what i'm saying upgrade the difficulty you know and and you continue getting worse, and worse until they get the the point that hey you know what my life's going to be considerably more difficult from on the physical side or whatever whatever you choose that consequence to be and until I get better and you can begin to take it away so it's a it's a wax and a wane
1: totally and I, I think I think that's another excellent consequence I. I um you know if if you're not a fan of the obligation idea, I mean, if you if you got characters that are really far gone, I mean really far gone, I, I think this is a viable option. Um now now there's the stuff that is extremely narrative. Um social changes. If you're evil, people know it. I mean they, they know it and they can see it. And I mean, yeah, that could be represented with obligation, sure, but on a more basic level, Your life is going to become a lot harder. People are going to fear you. They're going to revile you. Uh, You're not going to have many or any friends. No one's going to trust you. No one's going to take you at your word. You're a known addict of the dark side. Um, And I think you could manifest that in little interesting ways as a part of the narrative of any session that might make things a little more difficult for you.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I mean, so like, um, animals, like freak out, <laughs> totally, and, and try to kill you or something. I don't know. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, this can't stand your presence.
0: Yeah, you know, something like that. I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, um, uh,
1: ch- children getting queasy, babies
0: cry they... around you for no apparent reason. Yes, that's a good one.
1: Yes, exactly. And then, of course, there's always the social consequence of pesky heroes constantly showing up and trying to kill you.
0: Oh, of course. You, you know, Somebody puts a bounty out on you or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, 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 it sucks. Um, not only do pesky heroes want to constantly kill you when you're evil, but if you really get into the EU, some of the biggest threat to evil characters um, are other Darksiders who simply want you out of the way. I mean, outside of the uh, you know Dark Times era, uh, you know, if you get earlier or later, uh, some of the biggest threat to some of the real you know balls out darksiders are other darksiders um, you know supervillains like to fight each other sometimes so i, I don't know man so to yeah. to, to sum it all to sum it all up to keep a wrangle on dark side usage in this system first and foremost what don't freak out about it <laughs> cool your jets cool your conduits all right because with this system from a balance perspective it's pretty fairly balanced as it is and the inborn consequences for immediate usage of the dark side they're pretty good but if you've got a player that's constantly taking that dirty girl back to his place <laughs> You might want to seriously consider a long-term consequence, and I mean, I mean, just despite what we've talked about from these narrative consequences, Dave. I mean, I am of the opinion that obligation is the best way to go on this, uh, hands down, for a long-term consequences. I mean, uh, I, I mean, do you do you disagree?
0: No, not at all.
1: Um, and honestly, guys, th- this is what we would encourage for you as well if you are in need of a long-term consequence. But honestly, it is up to you to identify when such a consequence is warranted. And you have to keep an eye on the narrative and your players. Look at their actions. Look at the intent behind them and and really make that call and keep records. This is not something you're going to want to institute after a single session of awfulness, no matter how awful the guy was. This needs to be something that happens after several sessions, after the growth of a character and the things that they do. So there it is.
0: There it is. You might be a dark <laughs> yeah, as soon as I said that as soon as I said that I knew I knew that there was gonna be uh, an episode title in there <laughs>
1: well, I really want to thank Abel for his email as well as many others of you um we've got a lot of people that have been getting to the forums and posting up show topics things they want discussed um And we have a lot more stuff on the docket. But we want to hear what you want from us, guys. So, again, get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums. Email us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com. Follow us on the Facebooks and on Twitter. And, of course, call us. Leave us a line or tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. You can, of course, call us on the D20 Radio hotline, 262 d 20 Radio.
0: Two six two three two zero seven two three four. I was just a second late. Sorry, yeah,
1: you know, quality production.
0: That's what happens <laughs> when you know we're just. That's what happens when we're not. You know, we're just not lockstep anymore.
1: You know, it's it, as I said, it's been a few weeks of inebriation. Guest ho- guest hosts will do that to you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all right guys thank you very much again uh, for taking the time to listen and we will be back at you again in a couple weeks with another episode of awesome keep playing and this is gm chris wishing you peace love and good gaming
0: and gm dave saying keep them dice rolling This podcast and related website are not enforced by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC.